Welcome to the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm here with my son, Joseph. Together, we are learning sports one game at a time. It's been two years. We're back, live in the studio, talking to UConn basketball. Joining us is Dave Borges, UConn beat writer for the Connecticut Insider and Hearst Connecticut Media. Welcome to Sliders and Curveballs podcast, Dave. Thank you so much for being in our Hartford studio today. Oh, no problem. Great to be here. Thanks. This is our first time live in a studio with a guest since the beginning of COVID. So we're just thrilled to be here. It's our favorite place in the world, and we're so happy to have uh, you here. Um, it's great to be in person with you, and and we're going to preview the UConn men's basketball season. Now, I know that you've been writing a lot of content about the team. Uh, let's jump in and introduce our fans to some of the new and veteran players of the next generation. Joseph, do you want to go first with our first question? Yeah, sure. Our three returning stars are Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, and Adama Sonogo. How does each player take their game up a level, and which player has the best NBA potential? That's a good one. Um, well, I think starting with Adama Sonogo, I think uh, to me he's going to be the preseason Big East Player of the Year. I think uh, that's almost uh, – it's almost a given. Um, you know what he needs to do individually to to in and in, in, to help out UConn, but also to help himself out is maybe expand his game a little bit, maybe hit um, hit some mid range jumpers here and there. He's even been hitting three pointers in practice. I'm told by one of the assistant coaches. I don't think they want to see him gunning three pointers out there uh, left and right, and I don't, I don't think he will see that. But you know, just for his own uh, marketability as an NBA player, he, he needs to. Uh, he needs to pe- pass better out of out of double teams down the low post. Uh, but as far as like you know his low post moves, his his uh, his touch around the rim, his rebounding, his you know his rim protection is pretty good. Uh, those don't need a whole lot of improvement. I think he's going to have a great year this year. Jordan Hawkins, uh, Dan Hurley was saying yes the other day that um, he shoots the ball. His shot is more beautiful, for lack of a better term, than than just about any player he's ever coached. Obviously, the numbers didn't necessarily back that up last year. I think he shot about 33% from three, averaged about 5.8 points per game. Was up and down, as most freshmen are, but you know we didn't really see the sort of next Ray Allen that uh, was kind of a little bit advertised, but I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to up his scoring. He's going to become much more of a scoring presence. I think they really anticipate him being a guy who averages anywhere between 13 and 16 points per game. Um, really kind of be be the man offensively, along with Sonogo. And Andre Jackson, you know, he's going to shoot a little better, although his, his shooting percentage really wasn't that bad last year. I think he shot about 35 36% from three. Now, it's obviously not the most beautiful shot in the world, but he's got to kind of uh, get his shot a little better, um, you know, and just be – he's a great distributor. Um, he's got to be a little more of an offensive presence. I think they, you know, it would be nice if he were able to be score like 10, 12 points per game or in that general vicinity. So – 
Um, he's going to be more of a facilitator this year too, according to Dan Hurley. So, um, yeah, those three guys uh, are key guys, and those are, those are the areas they can improve. But obviously, they're going to be really the three main men this year. Yeah, if you had to guess on uh, NBA potential, you know, Adama, he's that game is switched a little bit in the NBA now. Seven footers, they all go out and shoot the three. It used to be, uh, you know, Kristaps Porzingis was the unicorn. Now everybody gets out. It, that's a big. Do you think his game can translate to the NBA, or do you like the other two players to have more of an impact maybe at the next level? I'll never count Adama out because he works so hard. He wants it so bad. He wants to be an NBA player so bad. He's got so many, so much talent, he's, and I think he's fairly skilled. Um, yeah, you're right, uh, and I, I forgot to answer the question about the NBA potential, which guy is the best. Um, the thing is, it's funny because you look around the country and you see there's so many good big men in college basketball now, and the Big East in particular, not just Adama, but Ryan Kalkburner from Creighton, Jack Nungy from Xavier, um, uh, the kid the kid came back from from George to Georgetown. Forget his name. Uh, uh, Corey C- C- Floyd. Curtis C- C- Wahab. Oh no, the big guy who transferred. Yeah. Oh. He went to Maryland, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he came back to Georgetown. Now, um, you know, Villanova is the kid. Uh, Eric Dixon really hurt UConn last year. There's, there's a lot of good bigs. I think I'm forgetting somebody. And the reason is that these guys in the past may have been in the NBA by now. Some of them, anyway. But there's just not a place for kind of like. Big six, eleven, seven foot centers who can't shoot from three. So that's why there's so many Hunter Dickinson in Michigan. The kid Oscar Schwebe from Kentucky came back, and then Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. So anyway, to answer your question, NBA um, potential of those three, I would probably go with Jordan Hawkins just because of his his um, potential of being a great shooter. He's he's a very good athlete, great athlete, and uh, he seems to have the all around game that could transcend to the NBA better than the other two. But I wouldn't count any of them out. Well, we're definitely excited to see uh, those three ramp up their game. UConn needs to have them uh, be excellent, that's for sure. I'd love to see that. All right, so let me ask this. There's a number of new faces on the team, a few transfers, like Tristan Newton, Hassan Diara, uh, Naheem Aline. We got the shooter named Caravan who worked out over the last couple years. And then Bristol, Connecticut's own Donovan Klingen, who we're very excited about. Give us a little scouting report on how these youngsters add to the team's dynamic. Well, Tristan Newton is a guy who averaged 17.7 points a game last year at East Carolina. And while UConn fans like to disparage the American Athletic Conference, and in ECU certainly wasn't one of the better teams there, um, it's still a competitive. It's still a good conference. There's some talent there, and uh, to be to average 17 a game in that league is, is impressive. Um, you know, he's a guy who can play the point. Um, I've been told by some people who've watched him play that he's not maybe your classic pure point guard. He's a little more of a scorer, and I think Dan wants him to be more of a wing scorer. And he said that the other day, as a matter of fact. Now, Himalene is a guy who has uh, come up big at times um, at, uh, at Virginia Tech, and uh, uh, can can shoot the three. Um, is is I think I think a couple of years ago he might have been around forty percent three point shooting. Last year was a little bit of a dip, but uh, he also wants to, he doesn't want to be known as a three point shooter. He wants to be known as an all around player, so uh, mid range and, and and everything else that goes with you know defensively and all that stuff. He'll be a nice help to the team. Hassan Diara, Dan Hurley loves him. He's he's a New York tough kid. He's probably going to be the backup point guard to start. Um, you know, may not be the most overly talented guy. Maybe uh, looks like maybe a four-year player here, but just the kind of guy you want in your program. So tough, hard-working, defensive-oriented. I think people are going to love Hassan Diara. Alex Caraban is a guy who they really seem to think is going to be a guy who can play 
significant minutes at the four as, as a face-up four, as a three-point threat. Really good-looking shot. You know, we only see him in warm-ups and practice, at the end of practice, but it, he certainly looks like a really good shooter. How that translates to, to the Big East as a, as a freshman, we'll see. But as a 6'8 kid, he can be a big help to them. And, of course, Donovan, um, you know, we all love him. He's a local guy, seven foot two, just huge, really skilled offensively, really good passer, good low post moves. Um, I think defense is the place where he's going to uh, have to work hardest to, to find a niche for himself in the Big East, at least this year as a freshman. But there's no doubt, I think, you know, 10, 12 minutes a game maybe for him, uh, backing up Adama at the center, I think he can be a big help for, for them and, and certainly a big help for Adama in practices as a guy he, who the 6'9 of Sonoma is going to be going up against every day. Yeah, and we're I think really that excited. Everybody, right? Yeah, so we're really excited to see Donovan. I mean, staying, you know, went right, went right across from uh, uh, where Grandma used to live, out in the Terryville, Bristol area, and um, he's going to be definitely somebody that the fans uh, support. And we're excited to see his growth with the uh, with the program. That's going to be awesome. Um, Joseph, do you want to ask your second question? Why do you think we lost to Cook a Cook to Georgetown and Corey Floyd to Providence? Weren't they going to get playing time at UConn? Yeah, I think Corey Floyd's the bigger mystery, uh, certainly as far as the staff is concerned. I think they, they kind of told him, look, you're pretty much booked for at least 15 minutes a game next year as a redshirt freshman. That's pretty good. And uh, you play well, and you, you, that could lead to more. So he he had um, a pretty a, a good route to playing time, and, and he, he goes to Providence and where they brought in a bunch of guys who are kind of the same type of player, same position, Guys, got one guy from Louisville, one guy from Kentucky. So now he's going to have maybe even more competition um, at Providence than he would have at UConn. So that one's tough to explain. I'm not really sure his reasoning behind that. And a cook, a cook. I just feel like we all love a cook. I think he's one of the more popular players UConn's had. The fans love him. His energy. He's just a wonderful kid. And what he went through was heartbreaking with his Achilles tear. But I think it just came a point where both sides needed to kind of amicably divorce you know i mean um you know a cook would have had certainly been battling for playing time with with caravan samson johnson other guys this year um but at georgetown they had a need for him and i haven't i don't know for sure but i think he'll at least be uh, you know in a, in a good spot for potentially starting minutes there and it just seemed to be seemed to be a time for him to move on and and the program as much as they loved him to move on from him as well now, Joe had a theory that these two were spies. Is that right, Joe? Yes. Because you learn all the plays. You learn everything that's involved. You know, the school helps you through your rehab. You, you sit out a year. You watch all these different things. Hurley's calling out all these plays. And you think that they're going to just take that information and share them with, uh, you know, Mr. Ewing and uh, Mr. Cooley over there, right? The, the coaches of those respective teams. What What's... do you think, Joe? You got to change all the plays now or no? They might, but it's getting close to the season start, so. I remember Jim fast. Calhoun used to call out Boston, which was like separate to four corners and let the one guy go out and dribble. <laughs> like Oklahoma ice cream, man. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to change up some of their words, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a good – I never looked at it that way. You, may, you know, it's, it's – uh, um, but you know what? There's so many transfers nowadays in college that – you could say that for just about any program, guys leaving and uh, going to another program. Not often, not always in the same conference. That's kind of new and interesting. But uh, yeah, maybe you're onto something. Maybe those guys are moles, and uh, Danny's got to s- switch up his playbook a little bit. Yeah, there used to be a rule where you couldn't transfer <laughs> yeah. in the conference. I guess the Big East kind of um, 
they made it more wide open now, right? Yeah. It's so wide open now. It's everybody. You can go anywhere and, and pretty much be, be all set to go to play the next year. It's just, it's wide open. It's, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, it's got its pluses and minuses, but that's just the way it is now. Yeah. They have a month to remember to re to what come up with different um, ideas. Yeah, yeah they, they'll they'll, re they'll retool. Ways. Yeah, they'll retool. You know, I really like to cook. Um, I thought that there were moments before the injury where he would go two or three minute spurt and just look like the greatest. He'd get a block, then he would get a dunk, then he would come back and get another block. And I remember him being in the huddle, so hyped up to play. And then the thing is, you just think, can you, you know, extend that over a 10-minute period, over a 15-minute period? So it'll be really heated when we play against Georgetown and Providence, who are two really um, historic local rivals for Connecticut. And then we'll see those guys going up against us. So hopefully they're not going to hurt us. And, and we have a, a great chemistry and a great um, uh, lineup to be able to contend with, with what they'll offer. So let me ask you this, Dave. What's your early feel for a starting lineup and some of the strengths of this year's team versus what you think might be an Achilles heel. Uh, did you even did you attend practice already this week? Well, we we were at practice, but we weren't allowed to see anything, which is the norm. Uh, nor usually, there's one practice a year where we, he lets us in over the last half hour or so, where we can see them, and it's usually just running drills and stuff. He, you know, he doesn't want us watching him running plays and, and uh, being spies, if you will, for the <laughs> for other teams. Uh, so we barely ever see them. We really don't see them in practice at all. Okay. But we were at the pro. We talked to them after the practice. Um, okay. Now, is that different in the Calhoun era? Calhoun had things very wide open. You, you, you did to go to practice, and usually you'd get, be able to see about half the practice. Oh, okay. Um, Kevin Ali uh, kind of ended that, and Dan Hurley has continued that even even more so. He's uh, he's very um, tight-lipped or, or, or just secret not secretive but I mean he doesn't want us in there okay and uh, hey what are you gonna do um, especially when you see when you see him invite some national guys in there every now and then but uh, <laughs> um, take care of your local guys <laughs> yeah well hopefully Dan's hearing this maybe he'll uh, change his mind but I don't know um, but as a start starting five I you know I, I think I think four guys are pretty much Pretty locked in. I, certainly, the three you mentioned before: Andre Jackson, Adama Sonogo, and uh, Jordan Hawkins. I think Tristan Newton is probably going to start. I don't think he necessarily. I think that's you know they want him to come here and be a scorer, whether he's as, as, a, as a point guard or sort of a wing. I think you can probably count him as the fourth, and then the fifth. I think you got a, a battle at the four spot between Alex Caraban, Samson Johnson, or if they go for a smaller lineup, Naheem Aline. Um, who would be uh, not necessarily a four, but it, it, you know, because Dan Hurley says he wants to play sort of a four-out type of uh, offensive scheme, and uh, so I think I think you go with the four, and then I think the, the fifth starting spot is probably between, like I said, Aline, uh, Caravan, and Johnson. And it's hard for me to pick one of the three right now, but I, I've, the one that I've heard the most about in practices probably has been Caravan. Yeah, he's supposed to be a really good shooter. Yeah, that's what they say. And, you know, everybody on social media goes ahead and says, when are they going to bring back the press? Everybody wants to live back in those days of Nadav Hennefeld and Daron Sheffer. But, you know, he used to do that because we were going up against tremendous Georgetown teams, Syracuse teams. It was our way of, you know, 40 minutes of hell, if you will. And um, But now we have bigger athletes, and so it's it's tough to see if they'll ever bring back full-court presses. Yeah, I mean, you got to be deep, and, and this team certainly looks deep. I mean, the coaches seem to think they're 10, maybe even 11 deep, 
And if you have that depth, that 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 would lead you to, to press more because guys aren't you know you, you can rotate guys and not get as tired and things like that. Um, I'd love to see him be more disruptive and be more of a full court defensive team. But like you said, you hear that every year. You hear you know we want to run more. You hear that from every coach and. You don't see a lot of running in, in college basketball anymore. There's so, it's so reliant on three-point shots, and the guys who are shooting, the guys on the perimeter, are shooting and backing up, and it's tough to run on them if they miss. So it's just kind of a different game. Um, but I think UConn should should utilize its uh, its athleticism and its and its length. But but uh, they also have a lot of good shooters too. Well, I'm definitely interested in seeing the new faces. I think the team is going to miss R.J. Cole. Um, his leadership, he was very clutch. He had the ball in his hand late in the games uh, last year. I'm also a huge Therese Martin fan. He was just a junkyard dog. I'm so glad that he landed in an NBA uh, team. Um, he, If he had the three going and he went in and got the rebounds, he was very disruptive. What do you think uh, it could be an Achilles heel for this team? What are you sensing might be a, uh, a little bit of a challenge maybe beyond just the leadership standpoint? Yeah, well, like you said, you know, RJ and and and, and uh, Tyrese are tough to replace. So Isaiah Whaley as well, and to a lesser degree, Tyler Polly. That you know, they lose a lot of guys from last year. People kind of tend to forget a lot of scoring and a lot of leadership from those from those guys. Um, so replacing that uh, will be tough. You know, I think point guard is an interesting question. Again, can Alan, can Andre John Jackson essentially function as more or less of a point guard? Um, that's a position he's going to probably play in the NBA if he makes it. So uh, it seems like they're going to rely on him to be that kind of distributor and facilitator. Um, can Naheem Aline play effectively there? Uh, point guard's an issue. You know, um, I, you know I, I guess I would say shooting because I just – you look at the, – they seem to think they have a lot of guys who can hit the three and spread things out for Adama. But I don't think – you know, to me, forty percent three-point shooters are, are really are like elite type three-pointers shooters. Thirty-eight percent above is, is very good. Not, most of the guys on the team have not have never averaged that in their career so far. A couple of them are obviously young freshmen, but um, most of the guys, some of them, you know, Jordan Hawkins, uh, Naheem Aline, one year I think did shoot over forty. Uh, but Tristan Newton hasn't been a hasn't torn it up from three. I think he's like a thirty five percent or so three point shooter. So we'll see. Even the kid Joey Calcaterra from San Diego they brought in as a shooter. Um, his numbers aren't like overwhelming, but 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 uh, you know maybe he becomes a real three point threat as well. And they're even working the international pipeline, I guess, uh, with with filling out the roster too. So who knows? Maybe he finds a, a gem in in the rough. There. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're going to see too much of those guys this year. I think it's pretty. It's been pretty clearly stated that they're more or less here for really almost practice depth. Um, you might see him get into, obviously, towards the end of some early season games, maybe even some blowouts. Maybe one of them emerges, but they're very young. I mean, the kid from Israel isn't even 18 yet. Oh, wow. Let's, let's not forget that. He turns 18 in October, and today's October 1st, so maybe he's maybe today's his birthday. I don't know. But but he he's, he's, he he's, uh, doesn't turn 18 until October, and, and the kid from Greece is a little more, a little older, a little more polished, but... I wouldn't expect to see too much from them this year. Well, you got to play five on five in practice. So, who's got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, Joe? Do you, that you know of? You. Do you know the number? October thirteenth. Oh, what about the age? Fifty-one. Oh gosh, you got yeah, fifty-one. All right, Joseph, fire off your next one. Happy birthday! In, in Thank advance. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us your favorite Dan Hurley story from covering the team over the years. Oh man. Well, my favorite story is one that he tells that I didn't actually witness because it happened early on in his career at uh, Rhode Island, I believe, where 
every year he he has um, these things called secret scrimmages where they scrimmage another team behind closed doors. The media is not allowed to be there. They're not even allowed to announce it beforehand. No fans. It's it's very kind of informal. It's as a scrimmage, but the coaches can stop it in in the middle of the game and go over something. It's just. But Dan likes that because it's better competition. It's out of the public eye, and you can do more work with the team. Anyway, so they had a, one of these closed-door secret scrimmages at URI when he was just there. And sure enough, even though there was no fans and it's behind closed doors and no media, he got kicked out of his own uh, secret scrimmage. He, he, <laughs> the refs ejected him from the game because he was complaining and yelling about something. And he literally had to go behind the doors and wait for the thing to end. before. <laughs> so it was a secret to him as well how that it, game it ended. It ended up being secret to him. He yeah, he. <laughs> He had to find out what happened from someone else, like just like we do. Uh, I like that one because it just it just shows his intensity, even even in That's a funny. behind the doors practice. He still got ejected by the referees. That's great. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know if the refs thought it was funny at the time, but it is funny to look back on. Mm-hmm. Now, some kids have nightmares of ghosts and monsters. Joseph is frightened by players like Teddy Allen of New Mexico State. Mm. Scored 37 on Hurley, and this is a Hurley who prides himself on aggressive defensive teams. And this is the year after Maryland knocked them out of the tournament. What needs to be done for Hurley to take the next step and challenge for a fifth championship for UConn? Yeah, he's, well, obviously he's got to win at least a game. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, two years in a row, like you mentioned, got knocked down in the first round. Teddy Allen, man, he he scares me too for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> if you look at his past, he's he's had an interesting past, but and he hit some crazy shots that game. Not not to let UConn off the hook. UConn just seems spent in that game, and I, I do think it's it's worth mentioning that you know Dan works these guys so hard all summer too, and most programs aren't on on campus with the uh, together. In workouts for most of the summer, you know, sometimes a few weeks, maybe here and there, he's got them on campus just about the entire summer, working hard. And then, um, you know, they they hit official they, they hit official practices just this past week, and it's, it's he's tough on them, and he he's yells, and he, he Jim Calhoun said he even outswears Jim Calhoun. Oh boy! So uh, he's tough on them, and and I just wonder if if that just by March, by February, if that starts to even though the players love him and it's effective to a degree, I just wonder if that wears on him a little bit. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe just ease up on ease up a little bit. I think when you get February, coaches usually know it's time to loosen up and practice a little bit. Let him, you know, don't be so hard, and uh, and kind of let him breathe a little bit. I, I think maybe that's that hurts them. That hurt them this past March because it did seem like they were just, you know, in the Big East tournament too. They they just seemed like. Um, Seemed like there was a lot of pressure on them. They felt it, and then they just they seemed a little bit worn out in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about making sure that you build a team chemistry and a bond, Which but then does, also yeah. don't wear them out. I mean, football teams take the same approach when it's the preseason games or practices. You know, are we going to hit with pads on? Are we going to put red pennies on? But if you're gonna if you're gonna have the guys exhausted when it comes time for the the money making time, then you got to do some tweaking and some adjusting, and that's what uh, that's what he gets paid the big bucks for, right? Yeah. All right, Joseph, why don't you fire off another one? This is a good one. Looking back at four championships, what are some of your favorite program memories you can share with us? Hmm. Well, I only covered two of them. I covered the 2011 
uh, in 2014, uh, which I actually wrote a book about. Um, like, favorite memories, man. It's just like uh, 2011, they were playing Arizona at in the, um, was it the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight? And their big star, Derek Williams, puts up a three-point shot that would have won it. Uh, at, at the buzzer, and like it just seemed like the ball suspended in air for like minutes because like their season could have ended right there, and you would Kemba Walker would have never been Kemba Walker, or at least the same Kemba Walker if their season had ended at that point. Mm-hmm. I was and, diagnosed with a, a heart attack during that period of time. <laughs> I thought I think I had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, it's things like that. You know, it's like uh, you know the, the the five games and five nights and in, tw- in, in, in that that preceded that the Big East that was just incredible. Um, the 2011 run, I mean, the championship game was ugly, but um, to, to, and then 2014, you know, we 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 Kevin Ollie gets a lot of criticism for how things ended here, and, and a lot of it's deserved. But you know, and and he had Shabazz Napier, but you look at some of the coaches he beat to win that. He beat Billy Donovan, John Calipari, um, Jay Wright, and these are Hall of Famers. You know, uh, Phil Martelli. Um, the St. Joseph's uh, game, so that was an incredible job, incredible journey. Just those those runs are just both those runs are so out of. I just felt like every game is. You know, I'm probably going to be going home soon, and they kept winning and winning, and they won the national title both times. Amazing, just incredible. Now, did you attend a lot of those games in person? Oh yeah, every one of them. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. What a memory. Wow. Yep. And plug the book for a second. What was the book that you'd written? Oh, it's called uh, Rebound. Um, the something I don't even remember. The, it's a long rebound is the main title and the incredible story of UConn's run to a national championship, um, or from from defeat to dominance. I think it was because it was about the 2004. Remember the year before 2013, they weren't even allowed to play in the, in the postseason, and then they the next year they go and they win it all. So it was about that year, um, and it's it's uh, it's got DeAndre Daniels on the cover grabbing a rebound because the name of the book is Rebound, as in like rebounding from being banned from the postseason so yeah that was it's uh that was a great year boy deandre daniels he he really he turned into an amazing player and in the in the in the postseason runs i think he was one of the big keys to the team he was unstoppable at 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 points in time we'll have to see if you could maybe donate one of those books and maybe we'll give it away as as a pitch us a question uh podcast question today we're giving away willie may's baseball card um, cause we're sponsored by tops so of the marketing deal with them. And, and, uh, we, we get these awesome Paul Jenis customized cards where there's like the player and then there's a, a smaller image of the player in action. So this one with Willie obviously has his great catch. Oh, yeah. And so one of our fans, uh, whether it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, the Boneyard, all the message boards were on. Family, friends, they could all participate, and they they usually toss us some some questions. If he did basketball, we could give away the basketball ones for the basketball podcast. Baseballs for the baseball. That's ones. true. Uh, we'll see if he get if he gets the deal to be able to work on some of those. So that's same cool. with Lauren Taylor. Yeah, we love Lauren Taylor's art. We're we're really big into artist cards right now. That okay. it's it's really fueled the collecting industry that mm. they do all these images of players that's not just a stock picture anymore so she's fantastic i like this uh this card of joseph that that i was given it's it's got uh you know 
advertising the podcast. And I don't know if these stats are yours, but uh, they're pretty good stats. The, uh. Those were from when I was seven. Yeah, oh, really? no, that, yeah, we'll take those as These your stats. Legit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and even sign the back of it. I'm like, holy cow! He I asked am, me this morning yeah. for a sharpie. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, you know, I got, I got a bunch of good autographs. Cal Ripken and a uh, bunch of basketball players and stuff. Um, Aaron Judge. Oh wow, but, uh, I'm that's worth to, a lot now. <laughs> I, I, actually, those are they're really my sons. But maybe off the frame this one, put them right up, right up there with them. That's awesome. <laughs> we were fortunate to go to the National Card Convention this year, and he walked away with. Um, a graded, uh, no, sorry, not graded, certified Stephen Curry card. Oh, cool. Graded one would be really big, but he got a certified Stephen Curry auto, and that convention was just incredible. It was uh, in Atlantic City. Nice. So awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Dave. Now that we have nil for college athletes, which is uh, for our fans out there, our, especially our younger fans, this is you can get paid now for your name, your image, your likeness, it's profitability. Who knows, Joe, Joe, maybe you'll be a millionaire and you can take care of me one day. Um, we also have these mega football conferences that are continuing to emerge. What advice would you give UConn, David Benedict, for example, who's been on our show before, over the next five to ten years for UConn to keep up? Yeah, they're trying. Um, they've got a uh, – they've started a collective there where, where – it's, it's a little confusing, but essentially, you know, donors and, and – and, uh, and uh, alums and stuff can, can can donate money towards this collective, which in turn can go to the the student athletes uh, for different things. And um, you know, the guy um, who's the guy on Twitter who's Demilio, yeah, Mark, Mark Demilio. Yeah, He's, we've actually sat in his seats. Yeah, before uh, center court at Gamble. He's great to us. Yeah, he was at the football game a few weeks ago. I met him at the uh, at a little um, pregame. Uh, tailgate type of thing mm-hmm. and uh so he's you know obviously he's very successful very famous uh very wealthy uh, uh you know uh he <laughs> so he's 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 kind of helping things out but, but yeah it's tough because um well i mentioned oscar Schwebe from from kentucky the guy who's a player of the year last year he came back to play again this year and and one of the, one of the main reasons is a he probably would have been like a second round draft pick with no guaranteed money and B, he can come back to Kentucky, which is basketball crazy, mm-hmm. and have all these advertising and, and, and sponsorships and stuff like that, which will um, make him a wealthy guy probably this year as a college player. And it made him. And same with Drew Timmy out in Gonzaga, he can sign deals to. A, you know, you look at Paige Beckers. It's a little different with the women's team at UConn because they're kind of national. Paige Beckers is just nationally known. Yeah. And she's making a lot of money off of endorsements and things like that. I'm um, so sorry that she's been hurt again. I mean, she's got the nil deals, I think, with Bose and uh, maybe Nike. Track, yeah. it's, Nike. It's just incredible. Gatorade maybe, too? Unbelievable. She's got a great stable maybe of... Uh, Under Armour. It just goes to show you, have a huge following. Yeah. We want you to rate and review the podcast and follow us. Who knows? Maybe by the time Joe gets to college, he'll get a, um, a sports scholarship for... Um, you know, being in the sports media, but she has a million followers. Yeah. As you look at like a Charlie D'Amelio, right, which is which is Mark's daughter. She's on Dancing with the Stars right now. If you have this huge social media following, that's how you got eyeballs. And then all of a sudden, Nike, um, you know, Under Armour, they want to go ahead and, and have you be a spokesperson for things. Right. It's totally changed the way things happen with these college kids going to uh, going to sports. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. What do you think about that, Joe? You think you can handle being a millionaire one day? Yeah. Okay. Make sure you get me a nice car. Maybe. All right. So I'm going to turn the show over to Joe in, in a little bit to do 10 
true, false, and why questions with you, uh, with you, Dave. But before I do, I know fans on social media are super excited about the next generation, Connecticut's own Fab Five. For next year, we have Castle, Ball, Stewart, Ross, and do you remember the last one, Joe, um, the seven-footer? Oh, um, Green? No. No. It begins with an S. Sin... Gara. Sin Gara. You're right. We, should we recruit a, recruit a green too or no? Maybe there's some eight-footer out there. I thought I remembered a green person. No green. No well, green. That was Jalen Green. All right. Uh, no green. All right. So what do you think of the class and, and which have the greatest potential? Well, um, I mean, Stefan Castle, a kid from Georgia, 6'6", point guard, uh, probably is the most highly rated of the, of the five guys. He's a five-star talent. He, he was on the under-18 Team USA team this past summer. I think he was the second youngest guy on the team, played pretty well. Um, he's like the guy who could even, you know, I've never seen him play. He's the only one of the five that I haven't seen play. But, I mean, people, you've heard people say that maybe he could be a one-and-done. Oh, wow. And he's the one. highest-rated one, right? Yes. Okay. He's a five-star, and he's ranked, he's, um, what's his exact ranking? Somewhere in the top 25, I believe, Ooh. nationally. He, um, yeah. So you'd have to think he's probably got the highest upside. But, you know, I saw, um, now the kid that just signed Jalen Stewart, a kid out of Seattle, I saw him play at the Peach Jam. I really loved his game. He's a six-seven kid, kind of thick. Um but uh, good shooter, good passer, can handle, um, you know, and is more athletic than you'd think when you look at him because, uh, like I say, he's little, he seems a little thick, but, uh, but he's, he gets up there. I saw him put, put really, a really nice one-handed put-back dunk he did. He's just like, a, to me, he's like an old-school type player. I love his game. I think he's going to be great at UConn. Um, Solomon Ball and Jaden Ross, two kids who were teammates in high school. They're, they're, Ball's like a six-four guard, muscular, t- really, um, really well put together, really uh, toned. Not not like thick or anything, but just like wiry, strong. Um, people like him. Uh, Jaden Ross is is kind of more raw than the other guys. Uh, he's a six-seven guy, real good athlete, athletically. Probably needs a little more work than the other guys, from what I've been told. And, or and then Yusuf Sangari, the seven foot guy we were just talking about. Um, he's he's a kid from Mali. He's been in the United States for about three years now, but he's still defensively. He's like all over. He runs up and down the floor like a point guard. Oh wow! He's so athletic, like in that sense. He's a great shot blocker. He's just very raw offensively. Got to work on his low post moves. He, he can certainly dunk. Uh, but to, to, to low post moves or, or just to get a little 10, 15 foot shot, he's got to work a lot on that. But yeah, that's a good, really good looking class. Um, see how it all works out. I think they should change the name of Fab Five because that's been taken. They should find something else. Not Top Five because that was a, a class from a few years ago that didn't work out so well. But uh, we'll see how it all works out because remember those five from 2016? Everyone was bally, they were much ballyhooed. And the guy who ended up having the best career out of all of them was Christian Vital who was like the least rated of those five. So you never know how exactly it's going to work out. Yeah, Joe's a Christian Vital fan. Do, do you have a – so we got a five-man recruiting class coming in, Joe. Should we, at, on the podcast, create – what is the what is a name that you could think of that you'd call like great five players, friends, all coming in together, they're going to try and take Connecticut by storm? We can't use top five. We can't use fab five. Couple. Couple? What do you mean Fabulous couple? couple. Well, couple usually means two. What, do you, what would what would somebody in the ten year old age group call something that's? You have any ideas? Well, think about it. Hold on, I'm going to pitch this over to you. 
All right, you'll he, have he to think about time. it. He needs, he needs a little bit of time. Yeah. I put a lot of pressure on you. All right, so now we're going to switch the pressure. No, I get to run the show. Yes, sliders <laughs> and curveballs. The star of the show is here. All right, we're going to we're going to switch you over with your best 10 questions to Dave and we'll see what he can come up with. I I'll answer a couple of them if if I if I feel you brilliant on the topic, but we'll let uh, we'll let Dave who's in the media uh, try and dissect these. He can tell us if it's true, if it's false, and why he feels that that was his answer. Go ahead and fire so, it so off. Am I on the hot seat here? He's on the hot seat. Right. Here comes your first slider or your first curveball. We're not pitching any slow meatballs. We're not trying to give up the 60-second uh, home run easily here. <laughs> Each question is true and false, and share why you feel that way. UConn finishes the season top two in the Big East standings this year. True or false? Ooh, wow. That's a tough one. Um. I'm going to say f- false because I think they're going to finish third, but they definitely could finish second. I think Creighton deserves to be the top team going into the season. They have so much strength coming back, and they brought in a, a really good transfer to a six foot nine shooter. After Creighton, it's it's a, it's really tough. Um, I think Villanova could take a step back, but they've got talent. I like Xavier a lot, but they're one of their best players just got suspended. Yeah, Fremantle? What happened Zach to him? Fremantle. We don't know, but from what I've heard, it, it sounds like it's probably not something that's like going to keep him up for the rest of the year or even a particularly long period of time. Two cupcake games in his back end. Yeah, yeah, it could <laughs> be. Maybe even less than that. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I, I just say false because I, I see them as finishing third. Now, if you're asking me who's finishing second, Villanova or Xavier are, are good chances, but but UConn could too. It's 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 a tough question. So where do you put Providence and like St. John's, Georgetown, Butler? Uh, I, I I look at them. I see St. John's and Seton Hall as kind of the five and six teams, uh, and then Providence maybe seven. But those could all be so interchangeable. See, all of them have so many new guys. Providence has about five replaces their top three of the top four scores with like four or five new guys and. It all depends on how it all gets mixed in. That's that's how it is these days, and that's how it is at UConn, really, when you look at it. So, um, and I see Butler. Butler could surprise some people. They have a new coach, but they don't have a lot of offensive firepower. And then you got DePaul and Georgetown are um, pretty much going to be down the bottom of the barrel. Well, that Wahab guy, he does scare me. I thought he he kind of went toe to toe with uh, with Adama. Um, but now he has to deal with seven foot two clinging. Yeah, maybe he'll come on in. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and the Villanova uh, guy, Colin. What's his last name? Gillespie. Joe? Gillespie. Right. Um, but he's, he's not playing. He's he's gone. Right. Yeah. I think he's actually trying to get on the Knicks this year. Oh. Boo Knicks! Right. God. We're Celtics fans. All yeah. right, Joe. Hit him with your second question. The top, the top two leading scorers on the team will be Sonogo and Newton. I'm going to go false on that one, too. I think it'll be Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins. Uh, I, said, I said Jackson and oh, Sonogo. Yeah, Jackson, I think, won't be one of the top two scorers because, he, like I said, he's going he's gonna to do a little of everything. He's going to be a facilitator. Ball handler. Ball handler, rebounder, um, defensive presence. Uh, he's going to do so much, but I think maybe you get, like, you know, if he scores about ten points a game or more, you're, that's pretty good because he's going to be doing so many other things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Newton's not a bad pick. It, I would say it's either either him or, or Hawkins would be the, among the top two, along with Sonogo. Yeah, it would be great if Hawkins is in the top two because be nice. then, yeah, that's really going to help this team. Andre Jackson will be the team's primary ball handler and point guard. True or false? 
True. It sounds that way from what from what we're hearing from Dan Hurley in the preseason. Um, now things could change, but I think they do like him as a guy who, you know, is a good enough ball handler, but a, a really good passer, um, smart player. Um, you know, I think I think you'll see him kind of at the top of the at the point quite a bit this year. Uh, so I'll say true to that one. UConn will average more points per game than last year's team did, which is 75. Hmm. I haven't put much thought into that one. I'll say true because there's more depth, more scoring depth among the veteran players. You figure, like, Hawkins will step up, Jackson will step up a little more, Snowgo probably a little more. Um, uh, you know, they're replacing two double-figure scorers, but you got guys like... The guys I mentioned, and certainly Newton. Yeah, I'd say they. I'd say they'll average more points this year. Yeah, that number worries me. I I would love for them to average more, but I'm thinking no RJ, no Tyrese. It's and you know no Whaley, um, and even Polly off the bench. You know, hot sauce challenge guy. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where that might be tough. But once again, headed in the right direction if we get over that 75. Well, if they shoot more threes and hit more threes this year, that that'll go a long way towards them. Their scoring average being higher as well. Absolutely. The leading scored off the bench will be Hassan Diara. True or false? Off the bench. Um, well, if we're, I would say probably false because I think if Naheem Aline comes off the bench, he'll probably score at a higher clip than 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 um, Diara will. And um, you know, maybe if it's Alex Caravan's a sixth man, I think he, he's a guy who could probably average between six and eight points per game. I think DR might be a little bit less than that. Um, yeah, it depends on who the starting five is, but um, I love Hassan Diara, and, and the coaching staff does too. I'm just not sure he'll be a big scorer for them, you know? What about Donovan Clinging? That's going to be very interesting. It depends on how much minutes he gets. I think offensively he'll be fine. Um, you know, if he ends up playing 10, 12 minutes a game, uh, you know, could he end up averaging between like four and six points a game, which doesn't sound like much, but in college it's a little different. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd say he'd probably be in that range, I guess. I'd certainly, I'm pretty sure they'd be happy with that, no doubt. You'd like to average six points a game this year for uh, the Travel League team, wouldn't you? That'd I'd be like a- to average 14. Oh, wow. You'd be really taking over games. Now, yeah. Klingon, is he a back-to-the-basket banger, or does he like to face the basket and come on all the way out to three? He, he's kind of a back-to-the-basket guy, but like all these big guys, he, he wants to diversify his game. He's worked on it, and he, too, can hit a three and um, can face up and hit a sort of the mid-range jumper, the, the free-throw line extended type of deal. Um, so I think he'll, he's, he's lost a lot of weight. I think he's changing, trying to change his game and his body a little bit. Um, but I think you know he'll be a little bit more of a traditional seven-footer, at least, to start. Yeah, now I this just came into my mind thinking about Klingon. It's funny because I was I was on Twitter and I was watching a little video with uh, former great Laker Byron Scott and he was talking to um Kareem and he was like the skyhook which we practice once in a while in the driveway or we'll do like for a horse shot or something like that cuz it's hard to do. I, for me it is. That's like one of the most unstoppable shots ever in basketball history. And right now, LeBron is trying to chase Kareem for the greatest scorer, most points of all time. How come nobody 
has ever been able to do the skyhook again. Why Why is it so old-fashioned? It would be like a granny shot or something yeah. like that. But yet, it's it's somewhat unstoppable. You'd think that a guy like Caraban, excuse me, um, Klingon or an Adama, just even a little baby one, it, it's almost undefendable. Yeah, like Magic had the junior skyhook. The junior one, right. Uh, and so these are two of the top you know, 20 players of all time. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't anybody copying them? I think one of them, is, like you said, it's, it's, it is a hard shot, even though it doesn't look maybe too hard, but it's to position your body and... Kind of, you know, it's kind of a tricky shot to do. But if you can master it, yeah, it's, it's you can't defend it, especially against a seven footer. How can you defend that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple. I, I feel like you know, I, the jump hook is is kind of a thing. It is a version, yeah. Thing. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, and he was shocked. He was like, I don't know why anybody, you know, maybe we should go take a class from him and we can we can learn the yeah. skyhook. Hey, things, everything's cyclical. Maybe at some point in the future, near future that'll come back into vogue. Big guys will come back into vogue in the NBA, and maybe somebody else will develop a skyhook. I don't That's know. That's true. UConn reaches the Sweet 16 or better this year. Well, since UConn fans are probably mad that I didn't fin- pick them to finish top two, I'm going to say true on this one because I just think it's time. They Dan Hurley knows he's got to – yeah, you got to win to get to the Sweet Sixteen. You got to win two games in a tournament, and can they do that? Obviously, it depends on your draw, but I do think this team has a good chance uh, come March of knowing who they are. Probably whittling the rotation down maybe to eight guys, like most teams do, um, and just uh, be be ready to gel. And so I'll say true. I'll say that we'll get to the Sweet Sixteen. All right, we like it. We like it. Yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. Adama Sinogo wins Big East Player of the Year. True. True. I think he'll be the preseason pick. I love Adama as a player. He's got some criticism last year for people thought he got tired. Uh, people thought he didn't pass well out of, out of double teams. Some of that's true. Um, I just think, and, and and you hear this all the time, he's a great guy. He works so hard, but like with him, it's, it's legit. He's like unbelievable work ethic. Yeah, I think... I think he'll be the Big East Player of the Year. I mean, uh, you know, there's some good players in the league this year, but I'll, yeah, I'll go with Adam all the way, man. I'll definitely be rooting for that. That's for sure. Yeah. What does this button do? Hey, that's appropriate. Jordan go. Hawkins scores 25 or more points in a game this season. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he said true so quickly. Yes, sir. Because he did put. Um, Jordan Hawkins and Adama one and two. Yes. So you see how his he's 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 got it. He's, he's, he said false for Newton and put Hawkins. That's right. And you're paying attention. I love it. That's good. That'll be good for us. Yeah. He he like you looked at him last year. He was when he was good. He was really good. Um, he didn't he come close to twenty five in one game. Uh, I yeah. Can't... He had like twenty one or nineteen. And yeah. movement wise, he does look a little Ray Allenish. The way he like jumps into his ball, sets his feet, puts him on a little bit of an angle, goes up. Um, it's a little Ray Allen light as far as movement is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's more athletic, I think, than Ray Allen. There'll there'll be a game this year where he he goes off and scores twenty seven, thirty points. Or something. Can like he what? be Teddy Allen? Wouldn't it be great <laughs> to have it be in a game that's not against you know Central? You want to have that be in a game in the NCAA tournament? Did Teddy Allen um get? Is he a senior? Teddy Allen may never leave college because <laughs> he's been in like I'm not even exaggerating. I I think he um, New Mexico State was his fifth different program. 
Talk about a spy. I I haven't kept up on the Teddy Allen saga, but last I had heard, I I thought I'd read that he has another year and he could come back and he was going to play. But honestly, I don't, I haven't heard where he would be. So I'm pretty sure, I don't think that's, I don't think he's still in college, but I think he could be if he wanted to, which is crazy. Would you have taken him, Joe, as a a sixth year in, in, uh, to study something? Uh, you know, maybe study ice cream at uh, in the stores, mm-hmm. Connecticut. He can work in the dairy bar. Dairy bar. And uh, I think we would have taken him if he can go for 37, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We would find a spot. Is there a Big East Rookie of the Year player on this year's team? Um, well, the only two rookies who really play much are Donovan Klingon and Alex Caravan. Um, am I forgetting one? I mean, the two, the two foreign kids aren't going to play much at all. And, uh, that's it. So, you know, I, I suppose you could say Donovan could be a, a dark horse candidate. I think maybe more realistically, those guys could be on the all Big East freshman team when the season's over because Villanova's got a kid named Cam Whitmore who they say could be a lottery pick. And he seems, to, if he stays healthy, he would seem to be the far and away the front runner for rookie of the year. I'll tell you what, though, um, just as a Connecticut sports fan, you should check out this kid at Xavier named Desmond Claude. He's from he's from New Haven. He's a freshman this year. He may be their starting point guard. Who's for Xavier? Yeah, for okay. Xavier. And uh, you know they'll play UConn twice, obviously. And um, watch out for him. He I'm not saying he'll be the rookie of the year, but he could be an all rookie player. And and you know if, I know you're, you're all UConn fans here, but for Connecticut pride, uh, check him out. He, he's going to have a he, he could have a real good freshman year for Xavier. Desmond Claude. Connecticut kids tend to come back and, and play well against UConn, too. They have, like, a chip on their shoulder. So not only does that kid know good pizza, but he's probably <laughs> going to want to try to score 40 against us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the kid from Cincinnati, what was his name? Uh, Kane Broom, he had a big game against yeah. UConn once. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. There's, there'll be a few homecomings this year. In the last true or false question of the day, the team is four players who will one day play in the NBA. True or false? My honest answer is true. Yes! <laughs> I think um, you look at, you know, Sonogo, Jackson, and Hawkins are three guys who could get drafted next year. Maybe, I'm not saying first round. Um, and I, I don't think all three will. It's, that's tough to say. And, and certainly, so I think Hawkins is a guy. I think maybe Sonogo. I think maybe Jackson. I think Donovan Klingon in a couple years down the road. Now, I, th- I think he's pretty set on playing two, at least two years here. Um, so there's four right there. Um, am I forgetting somebody? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Do you, you know, think you, Alex Caravan? Uh, it's just so hard to say. I've never seen him play. I mean, he's, only a he's a six-eight shooter. Like, I mean, maybe after this year. Well, I think he probably it would probably take him a couple of years. You know, Dan Hurley famously predicted Samson Johnson to be a uh, lottery pick someday, and uh, we haven't seen that yet. But maybe he comes out and really surprises. He's a six nine kid who's athletic and can shoot and block shots. So, um, I'm going to say true. Now, I'm not saying all four will have great NBA careers, but I'd say there's four guys on this team who will get a taste of the NBA at some point. I mean, it's just fine to make the G League because you still get paid $70,000. Well, Isaiah Whaley. Last year, would you have said Isaiah Whaley would be with an NBA team? Now, he's not saying he's going to be with the Hornets this year, but he's signed to to a, a, what do they call it, Article 10 contract? Yeah, back and forth two-way or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. Invitation to training camp, that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, now the Hornets got Lamelo, um, Terry Rozier from the Celtics. What about Booknight? Are they ever going to play Booknight? 
Yeah. Trade him to the Celtics. Well, Book Knight, they have a new coach now. True. I don't think the new coach was high on Book Knight, so then we'll see have, with how it then works you out have now. Book Knight now, well, now Leandro Ball's yeah. on the team. Um, then you have Whaley, who's 50-50 player. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully he makes it because he's a great guy. Well, we'll finish the show with this. So we normally give away a great baseball card to one of our fans that, that asks a question. Um, we had a number of fans ask questions that were already going to be in the planning of the show. So this one was a little bit outside of the box. The winner is going to be Lou Shimkwitz. And he, now this is a strange question and I want it to happen, but he says, in the next four years, can UConn win a dual championship again? Now, I think you under, I'll, I'll throw this out to the group, but my opinion is you won the card, but if that's only been done twice, UConn was fortunate enough to do it both times. You have to have so much health, so much chemistry, the right draw. You, the, the women haven't won the championship in a while. They've been going deep, but then get bounced, oh. and you need Beckers back. Yeah. So I'm going to say no. Don't underestimate how tough that is, but I won't say never, but I, w- I would say that's going to be very tough to do. Oh yeah, I agree. It'll be tough. Yeah, like you said, you know, no Beckers this year. Um, not saying that that means they won't win, but it, man, it, it's, it, I guess maybe the, the the better question is who has a better chance to win the next one, the men or the women? Right? How about just one? <laughs> I, I would take either one of the teams to win one over the next four years. It's yeah. hard for me. To, you know, it would be crazy if Paige Beckers goes her entire career without winning a championship. I mean, it would be. That would be so hard to believe. That, but, but you know, she may only have one year left to play. I guess she could play two more after. I mean, AZ, AZ might join yeah, for a championship. Yeah, I mean, the women still probably have a better chance, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, dual, man. That's Yes. Yeah. Dual over the next four years. I mean, you know, it's Those tough. Those are some high expectations yeah. there, Lou. Yeah, that's <sighs> tough. I mean, it's tough for me even to say that UConn men will win one over the next four years. I, I mean, mean just, I miss... um. Uh, what's her name? Katie Lou Samuelson. Yeah. She was really good. Yeah. That was one of Joe's first favorite players when he first started to watch basketball. What's the other one? Um, Kia Nurse? Yeah, we called her Mommy's hair. We called her Kia Mommy hair because she has sa- hair yeah. just similar to, <laughs> to mom's curly, curly hair. There you go. Yeah, AZ Fudd. We watch her shooting videos. She's a relentless shooter. Yeah. She could shoot for two hours starting yeah. at the free throw line, or excuse me, starting at the rim and then walking back tireless shooter we want to have her come maybe into the studio one day and talk to her Who, and Paige yeah wouldn't it be cool we have we'll have Paige here we'll have AZ here we'll bring Gino in too why not <laughs> alright well Gino Dave listen Gino will sit in your street oh listen nobody star, sits in this chair and the star will take over the show oh boy makes sense right <laughs> you could ask him 20 true or false questions yeah. All right, well, Dave, we wanted to thank you so much for spending time on a yeah. Saturday morning with with a ten year old rising star and, thank and you myself. So much, and uh, we hope that all the fans enjoy, um, you know, enjoy this great preview. It's a very unique show um, to be able to, you know, take a look at what's UConn going to look like this year. The, the season starts in just about a month. Yeah, I can't, it's going. It's I'm excited, man. It's it's cool to see you guys, father son, to do this together. It's really awesome. I I'd love to do this with my son. Uh, but you guys do a good job, and uh, it's going to be a fun year. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. We'll have to reach out to you during the season. Uh, we we did the Scherzer podcast with you when we were at Yard Goat Stadium, and oh, I was yeah. like, you know what? Uh, let's talk for just a few minutes right in the concourse, and we said we're going to bring Dave back to actually have a little bit more comfortable seating arrangement here <laughs> on a rainy uh, day in Connecticut. So yeah. we're thrilled. We want to thank all of our UConn fans for listening to us. Rate us and review us, the Sliders and Curveballs podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time. I love you, Joseph. Love you too, Dan. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Thank you.